Hello there. How you doing? Welcome along to episode two of Behind the Bar. This podcast is one where every episode is simply about one great Irish pub, hoping to find out about the history of the place as well as hearing about some of the great stories and characters involved in some of these great institutions. And thank you very much to everyone who got in touch after episode one with some some kind words and good feedback. Um, Evidently there was enough encouragement for me to make another episode and here we are, so thank you. Uh, Episode two is about Grogan's Castle Lounge on South William Street in Dublin. And for this one I spoke to Daniel Smith, who is a barman in the pub for many years now, and the grandson of Tommy Smith, who bought the pub in partnership with Paddy Kennedy in the 1970s. I really enjoyed chatting to Daniel. It was very kind of him to give me his time, particularly during such a, a busy period for the place, with them only reopened a couple of days. So thank you very much to Daniel. The first couple of minutes of this chat are about the history of Grogan's Castle Lounge, and if you enjoy that, you could listen to a more in-depth history of the pub in the Grogan's episode of a podcast called Three Castles Burning by Donald Fallon. A uh, fantastic listen, very helpful in informing part of my research for this interview, so Thank you to Donald and Three Castles Burning Podcast. And now, without further ado, I give you Behind the Bar, Episode 2, Grogan's Castle Lounge. Daniel, thanks so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Great to see the place. But firstly, can I ask you to introduce yourself for for the listeners? Uh, So I'm Daniel Smith and I'm a barman at Grogan's Castle Lounge. Fantastic. Daniel, Grogan's Castle Lounge a lot of history attached. Uh, so it's a big ask I'm giving you here, but could you tell us a bit about the, the history of the place? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, my grandfather, Tommy Smith, and his business partner, Paddy Kennedy, bought the pub in 1972. They bought it from Joe Grogan, who was here. I don't think he was here that long. I think he was here about 10 years at the time. Funny enough, obviously now we've no, it's kind of we're known for being very old-fashioned, no music, no TV. There was an ad actually found, Donald Fallon, a historian, found an ad from when Grogan was here himself that advertised that Grogan's was one of the first pubs in Ireland with a TV and they used live television. So it was kind of just been a contrast, I suppose, from when they bought, from when what it was before to when they bought it. It became kind of very sort of traditional. But like at the time they bought it, like so William Street was kind of a real industrial hub. There was mainly factories and stuff like that that in the street, a couple of shops and stuff um, it wasn't the kind of social hub it would be seen as today um, so yeah they bought it in 1972 and the kind of the literary crowd f- kind of followed soon after there was a barman Paddy O'Brien who was working up in, in McDade's uh, he had arranged to buy McDade's and the sale fell through or something like that and so I think my grandfather drank up in McDade's at the time, or socialised up there. He was 50 years off to drink at the time he died. But Paddy O'Brien followed them down here then. They offered him the manager's role here, and he came down here. And the literary crowd kind of followed him down. So the likes of, say, Patrick Kavanagh, Brendan Bee, and Michael Hart, and it all would have drank here in their time. So they kind of, that's how the pub gained its sort of literary um, reputation. So that was the orig- origins of that. And a kind of more deeper history, like very long-term history, was something we only found out actually last year. Again, Donald Fallon was doing a bit of research on the Irish Civil War, and we found out that the pub was actually used as a base for anti-treaty soldiers during the Irish Civil War. It was called uh, it was called Bowes at the time. 
and they used to have women upstairs with the rifles looking out the windows upstairs and the men would be down here and if they spotted them they'd run the rifles down the stairs to them. My God. Yeah, so that was something we only found out I think the end of 2019. Mm. Um, which was quite interesting, like really interesting piece of history to know. Absolutely, yeah, incredible. Um, you mentioned women there. I believe in the early part, this was one of the few pubs that didn't have women drinking only in the lounge. Women were allowed in the bar here in the old days. Yeah, it was something Tommy and Paddy, I think, themselves always decided. Like it wasn't, they never wanted that sort of segregation by gender, I suppose. So yeah, we were, I think, we were among the first pubs in Dublin if not Ireland, it's actually just allow women drink freely in the in the pub. Now I'm sure some people at the time didn't take too well to it, but I mean obviously it was the right thing to do now when you look at where the world is now, yeah, I think we were one of the first. Mm. <coughs> and one of those women was uh, Kathleen Behan, mother of Brendan, who I believe was uh, one of the few people allowed to sing in the place. Yeah, so the story goes, obviously there's, we actually, to this day there's no singing allowed. Now mm -hmm. you might get a few people like, Locked and start chance their arm, <laughs> but they're very quickly nipped in the bud. And uh, I believe that Kathleen Beaton was actually uh, Sunday nights here. She used to get up and sing a song, and um, yeah, very rare occurrence in here. Um, there's a story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but apparently Bono was told to leave one night because he wouldn't <laughs> stop singing. <laughs> so, I mean, she's in. Uh, she's in esteemed. Yeah, steam company yeah, there, yeah. verified air yeah there. yeah um, that's fantastic yeah. I love it um, your grandfather Tommy I'm told a great lover of art uh, and that's been a big part of this pub yeah uh, so actually the so we run an art show here every Christmas um, normally the first or second Sunday in December and the art show in 2019 which was just a couple of months before Tommy passed away was the 30th anniversary of the art show so art had been kind of displayed on the walls here before that. Um, Tommy was a big, was a good friend of an artist called Brian McMahon, whose paintings still hang on the wall here today. And um, I think Brian was kind of the first one who hung art on the walls here. And then it became, it kind of over time, it became a thing. And so all the art on the walls um, is painted by people who drink here, local artists. It's all for sale at a, a commission-free rate. So my grandfather always found that like art galleries take can take up to 50% commission he never wanted anything for mm -hmm. it he just wanted to give artists the space to display their work and hopefully make a few quid off it and I mean a lot of the time the money that was handed over for the painting went back in the till here because <laughs> as I said it is a, it is a real local thing here like it, nearly all of the artists anyone on the wall here I could tell you probably who they are and that they they, they would drink here still to this day you know yeah. Tell you who they are and what they drink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great kind of too much. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great kind of looking after, looking after each other there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like it's, and like the arts add so much to the pub. Obviously, as I said, no TVs, no music. Mm. The walls would be very bare, like wooden walls. They'd be very bare without it. So it's, I mean, it's, it's different. It's not something you see in very many pubs. Like a lot of places might have pictures or paintings on the wall, but very few would have them for sale and would change them regularly. So. Mm. Like it is, it like it adds so much to the pub, and um, I mean the pub's become known for it. You know, some of the artists, some of it's great, but some of it's extremely questionable. Yeah. But that's kind of that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. You know, like it's you're not coming into the Louvre, like you're coming in to have a pint and maybe look at something and say, "What the fuck what is, is that?" that? <laughs> like, <laughs> fantastic, and something something else that really adds to the pub: the stained glass windows. 
Yeah. An incredible piece by Catherine Lamb in the early 90s. Yeah, Catherine Lamb, I believe, at the time was a student in NCAD who drank here. And there was kind of empty space on the wall, and she approached my grandfather, or my grandfather approached her about it, and asked if she could do a piece. So there was, um, I think this was the first piece done in the, the piece in the lounge. So it's just basically of the lounge and a few people. There's a couple of people in there who still actually drink here today. Really? Yeah. So that one, that one was the first one done, and then the one down and the one down in the bar is the one of all the floating heads, and they yeah. are all uh, the uh, they're all regulars and bar staff here at the time. So like um, my father's in that. My grandfather didn't actually want to be in it. Paddy Kennedy is in it, the co-owner. Uh, Sean Kearney. It was a barman here who's been here 50 years this year. He was actually here when Paddy and Tommy bought the place. And he's still here now? He's still here today, yeah. Incredible. So he's delighted to be back this week. Like yeah, He's imagine, absolutely yeah. chuffed. So yeah, so all all the heads in that are all people. Now, I'd be, I'd be able to name some of them, the ones who were younger at the time when mm. it's done, but a lot of them would have passed on since. But I'd say if you got my father or Paddy to pick them out, they'd be able to name nearly everyone in it, which is kind of, it's a nice touch. It's kind of... I suppose it immortalises some people in a way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And something, well, maybe it's just me, I, I wouldn't necessarily notice that when I first walk in, and then I see, like, when you hear this and look at it properly and all the detail behind it, it's absolutely an incre <laughs> they're incredible pieces, aren't they? Yeah, like, I'm just looking at this here, the table in the one here in the lounge, and it has a lot of names on it, and I've actually, gotcha. now that you say it, I've never noticed that before, so that must be, I assume that's names of regulars here at the yeah. time or whatever. I see Therese Cronin on there. Well, that's why I see Donald Smith, so that's my yeah. dad. Yeah, so that that must just be similar to the, maybe that's where the idea stemmed from for the floating head maybe one in, yeah, the, in yeah. the bar. Fantastic, that's incredible. And speaking of regulars, are there, are there any, any regulars or stories of regulars you could perhaps, perhaps tell me about? Um, Jeez, we've had a few in the time. We've had uh, there's been some great characters here, and I like even in the nine years I've worked here, there's been some incredible characters. Uh, one guy, Johnny Byrne, the firm, as you yeah, referred to him earlier, he was um, Johnny was a painter decorator who drank in here for, jeez, about fifty years. I think he died maybe three or four years ago, and uh, oh, he was just there's a there's a absolutely brilliant picture of Johnny. I think it was during Italia ninety. Ireland were playing and he's the only person sitting at the bar here <laughs> had no interest in anything that was going on and it's just Johnny sitting at the end of the bar with a whiskey in front of him looking so fed up Amazing. like he just he was just he always wore a three-piece suit even up to when he was like I think he died when he was about 78 always wore a three-piece suit always had a, a time piece on him okay. he was an absolute ladies man until his dying breath. He'd come in here on a Friday. He'd come in here on a Friday evening. He'd be here at half eleven Friday night, and he could have three young women sitting around him, <laughs> and he'd be chatting the back, back legs off them. Like it was incredible. And the man could put away, put away brandy like there was no tomorrow. Like he was just absolutely. He could go through a bottle and a half even in his later years in the day. And there was a brilliant story about him. Someone, someone who drank here had uh, hired him to basically like paint their sitting room or something like that and they knew he was fond of an else up so anyway Johnny showed up that morning and whoever it was locked the door and says right you're not getting out until that's done <laughs> so he locked him in the house so Johnny started tipping away at the work but then started to get a bit of a thirst so he, 
innovative as he was, he started sticking his head out the letterbox and shouting at people walking by. So someone walking by knew him anyway, and he says, oh, go down and give me a nagging of brandy <laughs> there, will you? So off he went, down to get the nagging of brandy, held it through the letterbox with a straw for him to drink, drank You're it, and back me. in and finished the room. <laughs> an absolute, like, an absolute charlatan, like. Unbelievable. Like you say, innovative. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's next level, like. You've yeah. got to admire the commitment to a yeah. drink there, like. Yeah. And still got the job done, I'm sure, in the end. Apparently he was a brilliant painter decorator, yeah. like incredible yeah. at his work, incredible at his job, just uh, just loved us up. Yeah. But like there's been uh, there's some mad stories here from over the years. <laughs> the, the president, Michael D. Higgins, was actually barred from here. You're, you're not serious. I swear to God, by Sean Kearney actually, no less. Um, he, like lovely man now, but apparently he used to like a drink and he used to get a bit of Scorpio or whatever. But as Kearney once described, he says, he used to go around reading the shite poetry to everyone and fucking annoying everyone, so we had to fuck him out. <laughs> <laughs> like, stories like that, If the, I'd say if these walls could talk, there's oh many, many stories like that. Like, and Kearney, Kearney's a great man. Like, he could, I remember a few years ago we were in here and a guy walks in and I'd never seen him before. Kearney says, don't surf him, don't surf him. So I said, all right, kind of says, you, you deal with it. So he goes over to me and he says, get out of here, you're barred. He says, Sean, that was 25 years ago. I don't care, you're still fucking barred. <laughs> and he copped in the moment he, he walked in the door. He is, his memory is second to none. The man would forget no face, no name. Oh he God. just, he will remember everything. And like, I, I couldn't believe I was there. Like, surely not. And he was like, oh no, he's barred. Now what he did, it must have been fairly serious because if he committed murder, he'd have been out and all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely loving those stories. I'll I'll give you a chance. I think any others, any other, whether they're regulars or days he had some a famous person come in the pool or anything like that. There was actually there was a day, a day a few, probably about seven years ago now. Um, there was a wedding party in here. It's quite weird actually. We've got weddings are a big thing here. Like people tend if they're having a reception in town, they tend to come here for a drink before they go for a really? meal or something like that. Yeah, we get in normal times we get quite a lot of wedding weddings in. They might have one or two drinks and then go off to their off to their mail or whatever. Same. I'm surprised to hear that. Obviously, I absolutely love the place, but it's, it's not one that would come to mind no, for, for that kind of thing. It's really weird. And like during the lockdown, there I'd be in town, and obviously a lot of people kind of had very small services. There were only about six people. You saw a lot of people actually getting photos taken, wedding photos taken outside the pub and stuff like that. Like it's 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 weird. There's been. I was actually I was in um, I was in Thailand in 2018, and sitting on a beach in Koh Phi Phi at like three in the morning. I just got chatting to this group of Irish girls anyway, and she asked me where I worked. One of them asked me where I worked, and I said, I work in Grogan's in St. William Street. She said, no fucking way. I said, what? Her parents had met here like 25 <laughs> years earlier, and there's so many stories of that. She, she ends up FaceTiming her mom at like, I know, it would have been very normal enough time in Ireland. She's like, you work in Grogan's, his family have a Grogan's. And like, it was just halfway across the world, and to meet someone who had that much of a like kind of personal connection to the place was crazy but um yeah there was a wedding party in here maybe seven years ago there friday afternoon just coming in for a drink before the reception and uh next thing glenn hansard and amy schumer walked in i think they were promoting one of amy schumer's new films or something at the time and they come in here and so they got kind of picked up the glenn hansard was there and um they asked him would he sing a song and my grandfather was sitting over there and he 
they never himself and Paddy didn't let people sing songs but there was a guy sitting with a guitar uh, just another guy sitting on his own with a guitar so my grandfather kind of said yeah if, you know if, because it's their wedding I'm not going to be a killjoy or whatever and so Ben Hansen walks over asks your man can you pick up the guitar so your man says yeah of course fire ahead <laughs> by all means <laughs> Glenn Hansen no you can absolutely <laughs> use my guitar like so um he actually he played the old triangle on the guitar and the whole like the whole wedding party and all joined in I was standing behind the bar and I was like I think I was like 16 at the time and it was just a really lovely sort of experience yeah. like a really rare thing like a moment in time that you'd never kind of see again it was bizarre but also it was quite cool that's, that's incredible yeah. yeah sounds like a right moment and just to check if Michael D walked in the door now would Sean kick him out again I'd say he'd probably make an allowance for him now. The yeah. president of Ireland gets an exem- exemption. I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> at that stage you'll probably you'll probably get away with it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Michael D in the poetry. The, the literary element does still kind of live on today. There are still poets and writers who come in here and even I think test out their material. Yeah, most definitely. Um, like, it's kind of it's something that's been maintained right through. Like. Um, We'd have a lot of, obviously, we've a lot of artists. Um, there's a lot of poets still around. Um, some wannabe poets, wannabe artists. But um, no, there's like there's been some great, really great people and really intelligent and creative people have come through the doors here over the years. And uh, it's like it's great that it kind of lives on. But like over the last few years, you kind of seen. Well, since I've started working here, anyway, you kind of see a crowd now. We've got a lovely mix of people, so you've got you've still retained that literary element, but now you kind of get you get students as well. You you get the office crowd when offices are around. You get all of this sort of stuff. So, like we get we get a really lovely mix of clientele here, and it kind of feeds into the fact you never never really have any any hassle here. You know, everything kind of runs smooth, smoothly. But like we always say, this pub kind of manages itself. You know, like we've got a very we've got a great team of staff who can manage things and. We've got lovely clientele and a really nice mix of clientele, so it kind of um, I don't know. It makes it just makes it feel gives it a really nice atmosphere. Yeah, that so. makes yeah. It's funny you, men- you mention all the different characters that, that come into the pub, and there's a great quote from Christy Moore in his book, and I heard this in the Donald Fallon's podcast, Three Castles Burning, which is I was looking for this quote this morning. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't find it online. <laughs> I was looking for this. Yeah. Uh, there were off-duty pimps and brazzers and robbers and thieves, poets, actors, dossers, chancers, saints and spoiled priests with actresses, but you could not sing. 25 years on and the place looks the same. Yeah, I mean, like, I believe in, in the 80s and 90s it was a bit of a madhouse here. You'd, yeah. like, you'd, you'd, you'd rat men, you'd cops. Like, there, there was such a mix. Um, You'd, you'd every type of people. As I said, we kind of have that now, but in a different sort of way. <laughs> it's not there's not as much tension, I suppose, right. as there was in those times. But yeah, like it's it's always been a kind of place where I think Paddy and Tommy tried to kind of foster this that no matter where you come from, who you are, you're always welcome. Mm. Like as long as you behave yourself and you're respectful to the people around you, yeah. you're welcome in here. Yeah. Yeah, no one wants. You don't want to segregate a certain people because they do this or they come from there. They always wanted inclusivity and that was reflected in, I mean, the women being allowed to drink in the bar and the lounge and stuff like that. And so, yeah, like that's, it's a, a, it's a brilliant quote. Um, 
I was actually, as I said, I was looking for it this morning because I I knew if I tried to say it, I'd misquote it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's it still rings true today. You get everything now. As I said, there's not as much tension between different groups. But um, yeah, that that atmosphere is helped by there's still no telly and no 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 music playing in the place. No, and I don't think you ever would. Like you come here. You could come in here on a Saturday night, and the place will be buzzing with a con- yeah. with conversation. Like uh, you often see, like when we're allowed to see people at the bar and stuff, like you, you might get an American tourist come in. Oh, I'll have two pints of Guinness, and you know, and they're all American, and they could end up sitting there talking for six hours to one of our regulars just sitting <laughs> at the bar yeah. talking, talking shy essentially. Yeah. But um, that's that's kind of the beauty of the place, you know. Like a lot of the time, you might go into a place, and if you're watching a match. You're just your sole attention's on the match. You're not even talking to the six lads you might be there with. Yeah. Whereas in here, you could you could come in here for a point on your own, get chatting to someone, and end up falling out the door ten hours later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not always a great thing, yeah. but it makes a really lovely atmosphere here. And I don't, I don't think it's something it's something you'd never want to compromise. It's kind of it's rare in the modern day world that any pub wouldn't have any sort of music or any TV. Mm-hmm. So it's something, it's something that kind of gets people talking, you know. I remember when we got Wi-Fi in a few years ago, we had to get it for like cameras and stuff like that. But we let yeah. people use it. There was uproar. People <laughs> were going mad that there was Wi-Fi. <laughs> but like, I mean, I mean, we kind of, we've always been very traditional, or not even traditional, old, like old-fashioned. Like yeah. we only only got card machines in because of COVID. Yeah. Like it was all cash up to that. So that was kind of. Used to love, I used to love people coming in. You could always tell who wasn't a regular because they'd come up, try to play with card. Uh, sorry, we don't take cards, just cash. And the look on their face, you used to get such joy. A few people get thick about it as well. So yeah. Why don't you take card? But oh no, just the look on their face yeah. is brilliant. Now we've lost that now, but I mean, you got to move with the times as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, true. Um, those sessions when you're talking shite are also helped by the soakage provided by by the the famous toasties it's it's kind of it's mad how famous these toasties are now it's, it, it's an institution it's like. it's crazy and like we took during the lockdown we took one of the toasters home yeah and i was making them home but it's just not the same and i think <laughs> it's it has to be paired with a pint and in that environment like there's nothing to it it's ham cheese and a bit but of bread like bread and butter like, like I see them being made right now in front of me. Yeah. They go in, they, they're pre-made in the fridge, but they come out. Like, wh- well, when did this start, first of all? I think it started It started as early as the 1970s when uh, Tommy and Paddy bought it. Um, they actually, I think it was just a kind of way of, just a bit of soakage, really, you know, yeah. kind of stop people. People might be feeling a bit pecked, say, oh, we'll go down somewhere else and get a bit of food there yeah. and have a few points, but... Yeah. Why not just give them a toasty? It'll keep yeah. them tidying over, and I've, you often find a lot of people have one, and then the next round you go back to get a round of drinks, so they can have another, and yeah. like it just—it's it, that's all it is—is is soakage. But they're class; <laughs> <laughs> they're so good, and I just don't know what it is about them. And like I think up until up until the nineties, they actually made egg salad toasties as well. Mm. They spoiled the eggs in a kettle under the under the yeah. Now I don't know how don't know how much <laughs> that would get past the health inspector and modern yeah, standards, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I it's crazy how well known we've become for the toasties. Yeah. Like, and I think one thing people always say as well is 
the fact that you get a jar of Coleman's mustard with yeah. it, and not a little sachet. Yeah. Now we've had to give, we've had to go to sachets for the minute, but the fact you get the little jar of Coleman's mustard seems to be a big thing for people. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a weird phenomenon that people have grasped onto, and I, like, I get it, like they're class, but I just don't know why they're class. I really I find it hard to fathom what actually makes them so good. Have to try it for yourself. Yeah. Um, we won't spend too long talking about COVID, but tell us a little bit about how it was. And at the time of recording, you've you've been reopened a couple of days. So how has that been as well? Um, well, the reopening's been great. Um, busy, like really busy. As I said, it's it's, it's a lot of legwork doing the table service. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, taken a bit of getting used to, but like it's great to be complaining about work again rather yeah. than complaining about not working. You know, <laughs> COVID was COVID was really tough um, for all of us here. Like fifteen months of kind of waking up, watching the news, waiting for some good news, no good news coming, trying to fill the days. You know, like feeling you wake up in the morning, what do I do? What do I have to do today? Oh, nothing. Go on another walk, get another coffee, watch another series on Netflix. Yeah. Like so. You kind of feel like you've no purpose, yeah. and once we got the date, once the seventh of June was announced as the date, you kind of noticed a real sort of shift in everyone's demeanour. Like everyone became a lot more positive, happier, proactive. Like we were in here, I was in here nearly every day for three weeks with a few of the staff before we opened, just getting the place ready, mm -hmm. tipping away at bits and pieces. Didn't realise how much there was to do actually, it was quite just as well we were proactive with it because we could have got caught in our heels yeah. otherwise. But um, yeah, no, the, like just reopened there on Monday and the atmosphere here was incredible. Like uh, Paddy, the co-owner was in and he pulled the first point and just to see, like Paddy's 87 years of age and to see the smile on his face and yeah. to see the smile on my dad's face and just see my dad's whole attitude just lift and all the staff here and like I someone asked me yesterday it was like what's been the best moment since reopening and I said seating people I went out on Monday morning and I sat the first people at the table we had a queue from half nine on Monday morning we were opening at half ten Where? so we opened at half ten and every table was full at 20 to 11 God. and like seating people down and seeing everyone a lot of people we hadn't seen in 15 months like nearly everyone here on Monday you knew their face you might not know yeah. their name but you knew them from yeah. before and just everyone was so happy to be here and uh, it just the, the whole day went like that like the atmosphere was absolutely incredible and uh, it's continued it's continued since and like it's just it's just a great feeling to be back mm. I can imagine, long way to continue. What, any future plans or any, any, will there be any changes made to the bar or is it just a case of wait till we can get back inside and get back doing what we do? Yeah, just wait, no changes planned. Like we've put partitions up now at the minute just for um, COVID reasons, but as soon as we can get them down, we'll get them down because I mean, as I said earlier, the beauty of this place is that you could come in with two or three and you might get chatting to the table next year and you all become one table then, you yeah. know? And yeah. if we want to get back to that, obviously we, until, we can we'll work work around the guidelines but we'll try and maintain as much uh, as much of the traditional grogan's feel as we possibly can until then but uh, when we get back to that it's going to be something else i just uh, I really can't wait for it now like it's even it's even it's been great so far but when we can get back to the way things were in say 2019 the, i think the buzz around here is just going to be second to none like yeah. 
Imagine, I wish I wish people listening could see the grin on your face <laughs> when you say that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask: uh, Castle Lounge. No idea. No idea. Absolutely no clue. Yeah. Either. He might. Come here for a sec, Dad. Yeah. Castle Lounge. Where did that come from? Castle Lounge. Yeah. It was on a Grogan's Castle Lounge. That was just it. All right. You do a part two. <laughs> we'll do a part two, yeah. There you go. We'll do a part we'll do two. A part <laughs> when when indoors is reopened, we'll do a part two. Yeah. Um, Daniel, it's, it's been fantastic talking to you. Yeah. I've honestly really enjoyed it. You've told some really good stories. You gave a great history of the place. So yeah, cheers, Mark. Thank really, you so much. really enjoyed it. I appreciate being asked. Thank you, Daniel. Cheers. Sound. Okay, there we are now. Uh, thank you so much again to Daniel for giving me his time. I really did enjoy chatting to him. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or give me a shout on social media, anything like that. Uh, my Twitter handle is in the show notes, and my DMs are open. If you really enjoyed the show and would like to buy me a pint, there is a link in the show notes where you can do just that. And if you happen to be involved in a pub and fancy having a chat with me sometime for an episode, please get in touch. Finally, if you're a brand or business who might want to get involved in sponsorship or partnering up to make a series, let me know. Um, Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and look after yourself.